Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to tell you about Baldman on Campus, an ESPN podcast hosted by Jay Billis, LaFonzo Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. These ESPN basketball personalities give you an all-access pass inside the world of college basketball, talking to the biggest names in the sport. That's Baldman on Campus. Also, NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, offers exclusive content Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Alongside Malika, there is a full cast of NBA experts and insiders, including Kendrick Perkins, Chenea Gumake, Vince Carter, Zach Lowe, Woj, Ramona Shelbourne, and many of our NBA reporters from around the league. Get caught up with the latest from around the NBA on NBA Today on ESPN and the ESPN app. One app, one tap, and also available as a podcast. Listen to NBA Today wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my man Ryan Clark and Brian. Now that the football season's over, do we have you full time now? Are you with us now? Can you give us your attention? Can you stop cheating on us with the bigger sport every single week? Hey, bro, listen, you know all of these sports are my passion, man, both football and MMA, but y'all got me a little more. And, you know, I'm excited because instead of me having to be in L.A. covering the Super Bowl while Adesanya Whitaker 2 goes on, now I'll get to be in the arena and maybe flick stuff on you while you're trying to do the show. (laughs) Ryan, listen, last weekend I was down in Houston, UFC 271, the first time that you and I did our show right next to each other in that closet. Yeah. We did it in Houston. (laughs) Yeah. Now we went back last weekend, Israel Adesanya, the absolute star that he was, Mm -hmm. defended his championship against Robert Whitaker. Another guy that was in the building last weekend was Anthony Smith. Yeah. And Anthony Smith will join us right now. So it's DC, RC, and Anthony Smith. He don't even get a nickname, Ryan. Anthony, then it would have rhymed. No, no, Ryan, Ryan, he doesn't even get a nickname. He doesn't get his initials after what I thought last weekend was one of the worst takes I've ever seen in my entire life because before the fight, he said that Robert Whitaker needed to make it a brawl when in reality, Robert Whitaker needed to do exactly what he did Mm. last weekend to give himself a chance. Worst taste ever? It it was one. He said, make it a brawl when in reality, if he made it a brawl, he would have gotten knocked out. Anthony Smith, the floor is yours, my friend, to defend what I truly do believe was a take that they should have cut it out of the way. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> Listen, when when Kelvin Gasolum pushed uh, Israel Adesanya to the absolute limit, that's exactly what he did. And I, I don't know if I used the word brawl. I did say make it ugly, though. He, I said he had to get on the inside. Uh, he needed to wrestle more, which he absolutely did. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and he, had to, he had to make it a little ugly and, and get in the clinch and dirty box and, and just be mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that Kelvin Gastelum pushed Israel Adesanya to the absolute brink doing that. And so I don't know why that's a bad take because it worked but for I, Kelvin do, for the most part. But my, that's the problem. It worked for Kelvin. So then when mm-hmm. Robert tried to implement that in fight one, yeah. he got put to sleep. Right? So my idea going into the fight was that the fight needed to look like it did last weekend, Anthony. Look, you're one of the, the brightest minds in he mixed is. martial arts. Yeah. You really are. But even bright young minds have to take a fallback to the great older minds. Because the reality is, the fight needed to be that, A. Smith. It needed to be boring. Because if you're in a boring fight with Israel Adesanya, you're in the fight. Because he won't lead. He's a counter guy. And it showed once again on Saturday. Because Robert Whitaker was so patient, Robert Whitaker found himself in a fight that was 3-2 on a number of scorecards. And many people thought he won. Opportunistic takedowns. Not really putting himself in danger allowed for him to stay in the fight. Think Yoel Romero, think Jan Bohovic. Those guys were okay with getting booed. An Israel Adesanya fight where the fans are booing means that you have an absolute chance. The moment you open up too much, you become Paulo Costa, you become Robert Whitaker in the first fight, and even Kelvin Gaslam, a guy that fought well, got broken down by the end of the fight, and it looked like he was going to be finished in round number five. Now that Anthony Smith, that Ryan Clark is how it is done. There you go, boys. Enjoy yourself. Anthony, listen, we I'm ignoring him, bro. I, I'm here to listen to you. Obviously, he's just over there patting himself on the back as he does every time he introduces himself as the two division <laughs> champ. Even with what DC is saying about the difference in what you guys thought the approach should have been, do you think Robert Whitaker did enough to win the fight, though? 
Well, I, you know, I'll give I'll give DC the uh, the credit. I mean, it, obviously, the way that uh, Robert Whitaker fought that fight, it, it absolutely worked. And I think had he put his foot on the gas just a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, and maybe taken a few more chances, I think that he would have been more successful. Um, but I do, I do still think Robert Whitaker won that fight. Uh, I don't by any stretch of the imagination think that this was a, a robbery or that the judges right. didn't know what mm-hmm. they were looking at. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think it just, I think it just depends on what you're looking at and what you look at. At least me as a fighter, mm-hmm. um, I watch fights differently than a lot of people do. So I, I think it's all yes. kind of a preference. I thought three, four, and five was really the the jab and hook uh, and lead hand of Robert Whitaker mm-hmm. versus the leg kicks of Israel Adesanya. Yeah. So. Me personally, I don't. Uh, I I thought that even though the numbers are slightly higher for Israel Adesanya, I don't always e- like significant strikes aren't always equal. So you know if if Adesanya lands a, a leg kick that isn't devastating, he, he absolutely landed some hard ones. But if he lands a a, a you know a thirty percent leg kick and Robert Whitaker comes over the top with a hook, even though those are both significant strikes, I don't think those are equal. I would put Robert Whitaker ahead in that exchange. So. I thought he won three, four, and five, uh, especially with the takedowns. I thought if the striking is even, even though he wasn't able to do a lot with those takedowns, um, he still was able to get them, and he was dictating it, where the fight it, happened in those moments. Um, and I think that was kind of the tiebreaker from the striking. You know, the reality is, Anthony, I do agree with you that I thought Robert won round two and round five, but round three and four did not look much different than any of the other rounds. And mm-hmm. I think that's why... We have this idea that Whitaker won. But I will say this. As I was walking into the octagon, I was just kind of wondering to which degree did Izzy win. I felt he had won the fight. I just didn't know if it was going to be 3-2, 4-1, because the the rounds all look so similar. I do believe that Rob fought a much better fight, a much more tactical fight, and he gave himself a chance. But the reality is I felt like the champ had done enough. But I think a lot of it comes down to this, Anthony. How do we value takedowns? As a wrestler, you know, I put a lot of stock into those takedowns. I just didn't feel like enough was done with those takedowns to really sway those close rounds. I do. I, I love what you said. One strike for one strike, but you get the takedown. Sure. But how do you value it when Izzy was immediately getting right back to his feet yeah. and then getting right back in front of Robert Whitaker and dominating the center of the octagon? You know, I, I think the 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 place that the fight happened makes a big difference too. I I think aesthetically looking at from the outside, no matter what situation Israel was in, even you know he took a couple real hard jabs that were lifting his chin up in the air, but his body language was different than Whitaker's in some of those exchanges and clashes. So he just looks like he's in control, and there's something that's got to be said for that. He he never looked out of position, even though there was a a lot of those exchanges that he wasn't winning. So. You know, I, I think that's where the argument is, is, is how do you weigh those takedowns and, and is was the striking really even? I think that's the bigger argument. If, if you don't think that the striking is even and, and, and the kicks of Adesanya were, were the bigger, I, I guess, more damaging blows, then I don't really have an argument. You know, like the takedowns don't really matter if the striking isn't even. Mm-hmm. So that, that's yeah, so, how I look so, at it. So, I just think it was. My, my, my outsider fan question is this. for As two guys who have been in championship fights, how much is it on the challenger to go take the belt? You know, because I, I could think I about, that. you know, I could think about, I could think about Cejudo, uh, Demetrius mm-hmm. Johnson, a fight that I thought was extremely yep, yep. close that Henry Cejudo wins. But you also think Tiago Santos, you could think Dominique Reyes against John Jones in his last two fights at light heavyweight. He wasn't necessarily dominant, but those guys mm-hmm. didn't actually go take the belt from him. How much of this is on Robert Whitaker to go take the belt? You said be a little bit more aggressive in, in some of the exchanges or a little more aggressive in his approach, and that would have taken him over the top. How much is it putting yourself in harm's way, understanding who the champ is, especially when he fights a counter-punching type attack? All right, so... Uh, you know, I thought about this question a lot. I've been asked this question a lot the last couple of days. Yeah, here, yeah, sitting where I'm sitting right now, at one point in time, uh, I, I'm a light heavyweight in the UFC, and I had John Jones and Daniel Cormier right. in my division. So beating either one of those guys is almost an impossible task anyways, mm-hmm. right? So you got the best guys in the world that are almost unbeatable, seemingly bulletproof. If I can get over on one of those guys just by a centimeter, if I can be just a tad bit of head ahead, 
I think that that's enough for me to deserve to win that fight. Okay. And I think that's that's how I look at it for every single title fight. It's in football, you know, if you're playing the returning Super Bowl champion, you don't got to beat him by 10. You just got to beat him by one. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. I I, I hate that mindset of if it's a close round, it automatically goes to the champion. Mm -hmm. Um, I I can't stand it. I don't think it's fair to a lot of these challengers who Mm -hmm. maybe say say I was able to to keep that fight with John Jones close Mm -hmm. and I got just a little bit ahead in the fifth round. We go and it's two to two. Yeah. Uh, I may never be able to do that a second time. Okay. So like I deserve to get that win. It, 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 it doesn't have to be pretty. You don't have to blow them out. You don't have to knock them out. You just got to be a little bit ahead. And I think that's enough. Mm-hmm. You, you know what? That, that for me, Ryan is literally my least favorite idea in the world. Okay. Ric Flair started this. He's in the <laughs> WWE. This started to beat him man. You got to beat him. Ric Flair. This is in a scripted sport or entertainment is where this thought has started. If a guy's the champion, an Israel Asanya, a John Jones, uh, he's the best in the world, mm-hmm. right? Why does he need a head start? You don't give the best in the world a head start. That's essentially what that's saying. Right. It's saying that as the Super Bowl champions, Ryan, that every game you guys started up 3-0. Right. Because to be the man, you got to beat the man. That's not fair. It's one of the most outdated and unrealistic it's one of the most unrealistic points in all the sports. I hate it, actually. Yeah, but 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 your sport, you guys' this sport is subjective. Mine is not, right? Mm-hmm. A, a touchdown is weighed the same. A field goal, yes. a safety, all those things are weighed, to, weighed the same. And we can all quantify how we see them, and we all have to see them the same, even if it's a catch-no-catch type thing. Rounds yep. are scored differently, and fights are are scored differently, right? You can you can look dominant in one round and it may seem yep. that you won the fight, but you still lose 3-2. And it's three, based yeah, on, you still lose 3-2. Right, and it's based on the subconscious feeling that a judge gets. So do you guys think that judges come into the fights realizing that Israel Adesanya is the overwhelming dominant champion and that Robert Whitaker is the challenger? And do they view the fight that way, especially with things like you say, Anthony, Israel Adesanya, even in losing some of those exchanges, even me watching... He looked in total control of the fight and in total control of himself for the entire five rounds. Do you think that plays a part to the judges? I do, I do, and I don't think that it's conscious, though. I don't think okay. the judges are going into these fights and saying, you know, if it's a close round, I'm giving that to the to the champion. I think that I think that they look at these close rounds, and, and when you get two guys that are so closely matched and, and you got to really dive deep into the intricacies and the really small pieces that happen in those rounds – um, I think sometimes it's easier to say, you know, that was a close round. I think the champion had it. I think because he looks a little more dominant or he looks like he's controlling the action. Um, Robert Whitaker has a very odd style, and DC knows this. Those guys are hard to fight. The guys that kind of circle the cage, they're hard to get to. They're kind of they're just really awkward. Maybe a, a, a normal fan or a judge who's never been in a room with a guy like that mm-hmm. would look at that guy. Maybe he's running or he's a little bit apprehensive or he doesn't want to engage. That's his, just his style. So I think sometimes it's easier just to look at it from kind of a layman standpoint and say, I was really close. I don't really know who won that round. I don't want to dive too deep into it. I'll just give it to the champion. Okay. You know, one of the scoring criteria sorry, is octagon control. And that's what you're talking about when you guys say look, look, look. The look is the controlling the center of the octagon. The look is uh, – making it seem as though you're the advancing party, even if you're not doing as much. That's one of the criteria of scoring the fight. So if Israel Adesanya is constantly on the logo, if he's constantly in the middle, Mm -hmm. he is controlling the octagon. That's one way to score fights. So when you win that, now you start to get into the other areas of scoring and you continue to dominate in that fashion. Now, Anthony, you said that there isn't a robbery by any stretch of the imagination, right? A lot of people felt that way. Even if you felt Rob did enough, you weren't upset that Izzy retained this championship. Yeah, yeah. Generally, you don't see a third fight between two guys in the same way, especially if it's going in one direction two times. But when you look at Robert and you look at Izzy, and they are clearly number one and number two in the division, do you see a situation in which Rob goes and wins three more in a year and a half from now, we see these guys fighting for a third time? I do. I do. I, I think these guys are, are they're the absolute cream of the crop. They're, they're so closely matched. I think the, 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 the exciting part is I think those fights only get closer with those two. Um, and I don't see anybody right now that just stands out to me that's going to beat 
either of those guys. Now, can guys get caught? Can they can they have crazy performances? Uh, absolutely, I think that's the case. But you know, you do hear a lot of people saying, you know, Robert should go down to 170. He's got to he'll get a title shot there faster. I don't think he wants to cut the weight. It's that's not really his style anymore. He he seems to hate it. Um, but I, I I do think that he can go and win three you know three fights, two fights emphatically, and come right back and challenge again. You know, so so many times, and you know, I think DC mentioned earlier about uh, Jan Bohovitz, uh and Yoel Romero being willing to be booed in fighting Israel Adesanya. A lot of people, especially fighters, uh, Michael Chandler for one, you know, comes out and says, you know, it shouldn't be a situation where uh, the 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 overwhelming champ of the world gets to throw 18, 20 punches around and win. He's being called, Israel Adesanya is being called boring. And Anderson Silva was my favorite fighter, fighter. And he had a stretch where he was kind of going through the same thing with fighting the Damian Myers and different guys. Did you see this as a boring fight? And do you specifically see Izzy as a boring fighter? No, no, not at all. Uh, I'm a, I'm a fight nerd, man. I'm a junkie. So though those, I love grappling battles. I love mm-hmm. wrestling. I, I love watching the, the, the fighting on, in the clinch on the cage. I love the things that most, you know, everyday fans would probably dub as boring. I, I, I really nerd out and get into the details on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see how looking at it from the outside, if you're not really entrenched in this game and, and the really small nuances that go on, how that could be maybe not the most exciting style of fight. Um, but you got to remember these, these guys, the margin for error is so small. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, you you make the more movements you make, the more opportunities you leave for your opponent to take advantage of a mistake, or even a, it doesn't even have to be a mistake at that level. It can be just a small gap that they can squeeze into. Um, but I I was a little critical of of Izzy, maybe not. I don't know how to. I guess I don't. I don't want to say being aggressive, but it, you know, I Robert Whitaker even on the broadcast got a lot of criticism for only throwing one shot, one hook, one jab. Mm-hmm. Um, and one explosive takedown, Izzy would get away, and Robert wouldn't push the pace again and get right back into a takedown. I would give that same criticism to Israel Asanya, but okay. that's kind of how he's always fought, unless he's been pushed, like like a guy like Kelvin or yeah. Paulo. Uh-huh. That's how he fights, unless you really get in his grill, and and that didn't work for Robert Whitaker the first time. You know, unfortunately, when you fight Israel Asanya. you fight Anderson Silva, you fight these guys that are so good at seeing everything. They're always in position to return. You got to almost be cautious. And honestly, I kind of saw the fight that I expected because Mm. I knew that if Robert wanted a chance, man, it had to be ugly. It had to be slow. Because when you look at guys like Paulo Costa and you look at guys like Kelvin, you look at guys like Rob the first time, they get knocked out. You look at Derek Brunson trying to force wrestling on Izzy. They get you. He will always get you if you fight him in that way. But for me... I think the danger now in fighting at Asanya or fighting as at Asanya is that people know this now. People know that if you stand in front of them, Ryan, we call it taking pictures. Okay. Don't just stand and take pictures. Don't stand and watch. Don't mm-hmm. stand and wait. You understand that you got a chance with Izzy because he's not going to step on the gas as much as some of these other guys are because he's not going to open himself for anything. He's such a high level striker. I mean, we saw it with his partner, Carlos Olberg. Yeah. Olberg was beating on the kid from Saffron MMA. Um, the kid wouldn't do anything. But he never truly put his foot on the gas because they're so good at what they do that they're constantly going to pick their shots. And with Adesanya, high-level guy, if I'm Jared Cannonier, I am right away now starting to fight on my heels, on the outside, picking and choosing my shots, getting takedowns when they present themselves because I know that that's going to allow me to stay safe. It won't put me at risk of getting embarrassed. Izzy is a very good fighter. He's the man. Yeah, You can feel it on him. But he ultimately has to have that guy that is going to fight him on his terms. Or a lot of his fights are going to look exactly like we saw on Saturday night. But for the opponent, that's a good thing. Because it's giving him an opportunity to get that belt. Well, fellas, well, fellas we're about to wrap right now. But Anthony, my, my question for you is this. Is the guy to beat Israel Adesanya fighting in the middleweight division right now? Is he a top five guy? Is he a top 10 guy that we know? Or do you think it's going to take someone to come up that's different and beat him? I think the guy that's probably got the best chance, and this is going to be a crazy statement, but 
he's in the UFC, but he's not ranked. Uh, and I think that's Alex Fajeda. Uh, he, yeah. he, this kid, good. The, the problem with Alex is he's going to have a tough time getting to Israel. Uh, there's a there's a, there's a lot of high level wrestlers. There's a lot of uh, there's some good jujitsu guys. Uh, I think his hardest path is to get to him. But he, uh, and I'm not putting a whole lot of weight into him already knocking Israel out in in, in another organization and another sport. He's a guy that can fight Israel at his exact same game. Yes. He, he plays the same game. He 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 fights very similar. He's a lot of movement. He's very comfortable. He'll keep the fight slow, but he'll explode when he has to. And he's got the power. He's got the he's got the kicking ability, which is really big when it comes to Israel Adesanya. That's why Jan Blahovich was so successful. He dealt with the leg kicks and the leg attacks of Israel very well, and was able to fight at that slow pace because that's who he was anyways before. Yeah. Um, I think Alex is the same way. Um, I think that's a guy that could really give Israel problems on his feet. I, and I'm not counting out Jared Cannonier. If, mm-hmm. if Jared slows mm-hmm. his game down a little bit, decides to take a couple steps back and isn't aggressive. And, and really wanting to force the action and, and, and fight like I probably would and just go out there and explode and try to figure it out. Um, I don't know if I have the ability to do that. So whoever it's going to be has to be able to do that. I love the I love the Pajeda idea. Yep. I've been hearing Chemayev from a lot of people. So Hudo said it this morning. My problem with Chemayev is Chemayev's going to rush. And because he'll rush to try to get Izzy out of there, he's going to get himself in trouble. I don't know if Chemayev's the guy because um, he's obviously smaller, but his style won't allow for him to sit back with Edesanya. I love Pajeda because Pajeda is going to stand and fight in the kickback boxing match with Edesanya. But Anthony, your point about him getting there is the most valid yes. point that we've heard. That's now, hard. strategic matchups for Pajeda would be good because then that would allow for him to get to Edesanya. But at some point, you got to fight the wrestler. Even yeah. Izzy went through Derek Brunson. He went through guys that were trying to take him down and showed that his skill set holds up in a mixed martial arts cage. Um, but a tremendous point, Anthony. And yeah. listen, I know I came at your heart to start, but you are one of the smartest guys, is, man. Bro. I love working with you. I love the way you think about this game. And your mind is only going to make you better as a fighter as you continue on in your career. So we thank you for joining us, my friend. Uh, get some rest. Go hang out. And can't wait to see you back in the Appreciate Octagon. you, brother. Always learn a lot, man, listening to you. So thanks a lot, man. Man, I appreciate you guys. I'm a big fan of the show. So uh, keep doing what you guys are doing. It's fantastic. Yes, sir, bro. My man, Anthony Schmidt. Now, Ryan, look, very rarely does the title picture come right in the right clear after right. a main event. Well, I was in there with soul brother Jared. Hey, you know Jared got that little <laughs> afro. He's big. And hey, right before his fight, I texted Dana White. I go, hey, Cannoneer looks like me in my prime. And he just threw no, his he, phone on the ground like, dude. He does not. <laughs> No, he does not, bro. <laughs> but he goes out there and he knocks Derek Brunson cold with that elbow and tight yeah. bang. It hits him with a spinning back, a back fist to knock him out. He is the number one contender. Mm-hmm. There is no ifs, ands, no. buts about it. But when you look at that as a fan of the game, does it excite you to see that Jared Cannonier is the guy? No, it does. And it's kind of his journey. Like, I'm a journey guy because, you know, the mm-hmm. football season is long. Um, a guy who started fighting heavier and then had to lose the weight has now turned himself to a specimen at 185. And this is a guy, you know, Robert Whitaker beat. But he had to go through the, the Kelvin Gastelums. He had to get through the Derek Brunsons, who people probably don't pay attention to, was on a winning streak of his own. This was a huge fight between three and four. And Jared Cannonier absolutely dominated. He went out and, and he got the knockout. And it was in explosive fashion. And so now you even saw Israel Adesanya thank him for beating Derek Brunson because he didn't want to have to fight that guy again. He felt like he already lapped him. He And he now gets a fresh opponent in there. And why that excites me is I feel like Jared Cannonier can bring the best out of Israel Adesanya. Isn't that what we want to see? Whether it's a, a win for him or a loss for Israel Adesanya, we want to see him pushed. We want to see the best Izzy we can possibly get on fight night. And I feel like right now, as the middleweight stand, Jared Cannonier is the right person for that. Because I believe a guy like Robert Whitaker, who in the second fight fought the exact fight he was supposed to, mm-hmm. when you fight yep. that fight, you don't sometimes get the best Izzy because he's not going to come out of his shell. Izzy is not yep, going to get not. out of character. Where I feel like when you fight a Jared Cannonier who's going to pressure him, who's going to try to make this fight ugly, who's going to try to use his strength, some of the things that he has as pluses or positives over Izzy, we'll see the Israel Adesanya that we're looking for in these big fights. 
You know what, RC? I was giggling and laughing because when you look at the picture of Izzy and Jared, the brothers got some funny haircuts. I'm like, what's Izzy's little? Hey, yo, I keep thinking. I'm Bro, like, what? I'm not the only, one to talk about nobody's hair. You I'm care not, about I'm hair because you don't have none. You don't have well, any. I'm, not the, I'm like, Izzy has this little weird little mushroom top thing, and then Cannoneer got like a little short fro from the 70s. Hey, bro, these dudes, look at these, <laughs> these haircuts, man. Like, I, hey. these are millionaires, RC. Bro, this, look, this looks like this look like if Shaft and Dolomite got into a fight. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does, bro. There's two millionaires. Like, the, the only person in the haircut wears Kevin Durant. I don't know what Kevin Durant be doing with his haircuts, but no. he look bad. That's called but bad hair. Fight. <laughs> Back to the fight. Jared Cannonier is exciting mm-hmm. because Jared Cannonier has also been in there with Anderson. Yep. If you remember when he fought Anderson, his approach was a little different than what we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. He didn't overextend. He took his time. And he's so powerful that he landed those outside kicks that ultimately blew out Anderson's knee. Yeah. But that's Jared being so physically strong and so physically gifted. Can he do the same thing? In front of Adesanya. Can he take his time? Can he not overextend himself? Can he make sure that he's only taking the opportunities that are presented to him? Because, again, if he goes out there overaggressive, he's going to get pieced up Mm -hmm. by Israel Adesanya. Dude, I'm telling you, his ability to see things and to punch and find spots are so much better than anyone I've seen in the octagon. You have to be willing, again, to just sit in front of him. And not mm-hmm. get out of position because he's gonna embarrass you, bro. He embarrassed Paulo Costa. No, and then when 100%. you fought, and he embarrassed Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa fell down face down. You know, Izzy jump on top of him. It's yeah. crazy. Like you can't, you can't, you can't do anything stupid with Edisonia. And I believe that Jared Cannonier, as in tune with himself as he is today, mm-hmm. is not gonna make any mistakes against Edisonia. And I think it's gonna be a fantastic fight, and I'm happy. That they, dude, he looked at Dana. He goes, Dana, Dana, I'm the number one contender. Yeah. Dana's like, all right, man, you got it. Dana's you like, can do. you got it. All right. And you know what? I see you after that. You got it. I, I think that's the, the the good thing about watching his his approach or his opportunities come against Israel Adesanya. He had to beat people to get to this point. And I know most fighters do, right? You know, most fighters have to go through the gauntlet of the contenders in order to get the champion. But we've truly got an opportunity to watch Jared Cannonier do that almost slowly to get his opportunity to fight Israel Adesanya. And I think that's what makes this fight exciting. Not only the stylistic matchup or the level Mm -hmm. of athlete that both of these men are, but it's the fact that we can get explosiveness out of these two men. And I I still feel like even going into Rob and Izzy this weekend, we knew what kind of fight it would have to be in order for Rob to make it a five-round fight, in order for Rob to win. And I think that's what we got. But speaking of explosiveness, we got explosiveness from Ty Tuivasa and Derek Lewis. And it may not have come from the dude everybody was expecting. Listen, one thing is this. Derek Lewis need to stop fighting in Houston, bro. I don't know. (laughs) Wait. I don't know if he eat too good when he's there, dog, or if yeah. the, if the Popeyes is free, but he does well, not I say fight. What Derek do? Yeah, he don't fight well there. But RC, Derek told us something in um, the fight of me. He goes, "I'm finally making seven figures a fight." Dude's not a champion. Very few guys are making that. So Derek's getting paid like that. Where does where is that justified? He's a massive star. People love Derek Lewis, but more than anywhere else. Where is it justified to pay Derek Lewis those types of dollars? At his crib. Absolutely. So he just keeps getting booked there because every time he hits the curtain, bro, it's like it. his ovation is louder than Israel Adesanya. Mm-hmm. They, they, they love him there. So to pay him those dollars is to put him in front of the people that love him the most. They sell out the Toyota Center every single time. Unfortunately, the fights have not gone his way. But I don't believe that. It went that way Saturday based on Derek. Okay. I believe that Tai Tuivasa was just better. Mm-hmm. In the Cyril Gon fight, Derek was afraid. He didn't want to get tired. He did, He understood the matchup. This matchup with Tuivasa was one that, historically, he wins. Right. He beats guys like Tai Tuivasa. That's why he's been ranked so high so long. But what he didn't expect was a guy in Bam Bam that wasn't afraid at all. A guy in Bam Bam that has gotten so much better that, as we spoke about last week, you become this... This you start to sit in this unfortunate place 
in your career when you have fought and lost for the title on multiple occasions and you have to beat back these young contenders? Well, in most of those times, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it until eventually they match you up with someone that gets you. And Tai Tuivasa did that Saturday to extend a four-fight win streak and turn it into a five-fight win streak and now place himself in the top five of the heavyweight division. Yeah, You become almost a gatekeeper, Ryan. You become yeah. the guy that is the step before the elite and ultimately uh, Tai Tuivasa passed the test. I think, I think what happens, though, you know, you mentioned the gatekeeper and you try to make everybody uh, the gatekeeper. <laughs> if you fight long enough and you're popular enough and you're good enough but <laughs> never actually get the belt, this is who you become. And mm -hmm. the, the stress in that... And the danger in that is if you fight a guy like Tai Tuivasa, that's not afraid of you. And Derek Lewis came out and he fought like Derek Lewis and Tai fought like Tai. And it was, you know, you think about the, the left that lands, but just the brutal elbow to finish where he's almost <laughs> pulling him into it with the left hand. And, you know, like men aren't supposed to be able to stand after that. And we've seen some of you guys be able to do it. This was a fight that was tailor-made for someone to get knocked out, knocked out and for Derek Lewis to either say, you know what, I'm still here, I'm still as far as power goes, the knockout king, and they put somebody in front of him to prove that, and this is also great for Ty, right? You're, you're fighting a top three contender, you're, at, you're sitting outside of the top ten, and now you have to be moved up into the top five and get opportunities for not only bigger fights, not only bigger opponents, but bigger purses and tied to Ivasa is actually be kind of kind of becoming the star Derek Lewis was without the belt. Right. Like he, he's the guy that mm -hmm. people are lining up to see because it's going to be explosive. This is crazy. And he's super likable. And so yep. now that's that that shows you that he's put himself after being three and three in a position to get a championship opportunity really soon. You know, man, looking at that graphic and. Two years ago when the pandemic started and Tai Tuivasa was in my garage training with me uh, for his, before on his birthday, looking at that graphic now, Ryan, is crazy. Because back then I never would have thought that fast forward a couple years, five fights later, this dude's number three in the world. Right. Like, it is amazing to watch his journey. Because he was lost three in a row and on his way out, RC. Like, he started 3-0, lost three in a row, got knocked out by JDS and got wrestled to death by Sergey Spivak. And... People thought he was done. The kid got back to work, came out to California, in Abu Dhabi now working, training, getting better, and just putting on beautiful performances every single time. And to beat Derek Lewis, the guy that had so many times taken these prospects like Ty and just sent them back in the rankings. Guys that have lost to Derek Lewis are generally not the same. Ty went in there, fought him at his own fight, knocked him out, and now is in the top five in the division. But ultimately, sometimes, Ryan, your success leads to things that you aren't truly ready for. I was about to so the question that. now becomes, is Ty Tuivasa ready for the level of competition that he's going to fight? Because Sergey Spivak wrestled him to death. Right. But when you get into the top five, getting wrestled to death is not just getting taken down. It's getting pummeled into the ground by a guy like Curtis Blades. I'm about to say Isn't Curtis Isn't standing in front of a former champion like Stipe Miocic. Now the competition level skyrockets. Mm -hmm. can, Tui, can Tui Vasa and is Tui Vasa ready for this level of competition when you watch him in there? Because being fun is one thing. Being the best in the world is on a completely different yeah. level. Is he ready to challenge that level of competition? In D.C., I think that's the point that needs to be made because – of the top five contenders, Derek Lewis was the one best made to fit Ty Tuivasa's skill set. Yeah, you know, like if yep. you look at the, the the Curtis Blades and the the the, the, the Cyril Gans, the Francis and Ganu. When you think Ty Tuivasa fighting a top five guy, the one you wanted him to fight was Derek Lewis. Was Derek? And yep. obviously yep. he goes out and he wins that fight. But now you mention names like Gan. Miocic, uh, Blades, and Ganu. How would you see, because you're asking, can he do it? How do you see some of those fights playing out? And is he at that level right now? You know, one of the things that Ty has had the, 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 the luck of having over the course of this win streak is Stefan Shrews, the striker. Greg Hardy's a striker. 
Augusto Sakai is a striker. Derek Lewis is a striker. The guy, the other guy's name, Harry Hunsucker or something like that. I mean, the first guy's name was like Harry Hunsucker. He came on like three days notice. Ty knocked him out in no time. So he's had strikers. Ultimately, he's going to have to prove that he can stand in front of these wrestlers mm -hmm. and defend takedowns enough to make them fight his fight. Right. It's a daunting task for a guy that, when you look back to the Speedback fight, had a massive hole in his game. And no one's been able to fight him and really exploit that to this point. But trust me, the next guy will have that ability. Who's the next guy going to be, though? Is the next guy going to be a Cyril Ghosn, a former interim champion? Is it going to be Stipe? Curtis Blades is matched up already. That's that's the fight that, as a Tai Tuivasa guy, you're like, I don't really that ain't want That the one that. I want. That's the, yeah, that's the one that we don't want, is the Curtis Blades fight. But everyone else... They're predominantly strikers. Even Stipe, a NCAA wrestler, isn't necessarily trying to take you down, but mm -hmm. he does have that ability. Ty's going to have some big tests to, to, to pass here uh, now because now you're really going to understand what his ceiling is because you could be number three and then go all the way back down and it means nothing. Or you can continue to climb. It's just, hey, it's like being in the red zone, RC. It's like getting to the red zone and everything seems to shrink Yeah, right as you're harder. trying to score a touchdown. It gets harder when what you get into the top five. What happens is your margin of error shrinks in those positions yes. and in those times, and that's where Ty Tuivasa is now. But listen, man, we got two things to do right now. We're going to get some grades, but we're bringing on the birthday boy, Corporate yeah. Jake, to let us know yes. who we're grading. And, you, you know, we'll start with something that I think you might like. All right, guys, the first grade that we're going to give out is oh. rating Daniel's performance at a shoey from the weigh-in show <laughs> last week. Guys, I'm going to have to go on and be honest. DC couldn't get any of the beer in his mouth because he was scared it was going to get on his clothes. That is not that is not the way that we do shoeys. He's supposed to be from New Orleans. He's the fighter. He let DC and RC down. I give him a D minus. I'm not going to fail him because it looks like he got a look like he was able to drink a little bit of the Modelo. But overall, this is terrible. I Ryan. Ryan. I tried. Listen, I tried to do it like Stone Cold Steve Austin used to do it. Stone Cold didn't get a lot of the beer in his mouth, Ryan. But listen, I will say this, though. I did drink a bit of the Modelo, but if that was a Ryan Clark beer, if that was Ryan Clark drinking, it would be Stella, right? Because it's a much more prim <laughs> beer for Ryan Clark. But trust me, my shoey was better than Ryan Clark's would be. I won't give myself an A, but I will give myself a C plus. C plus on the shoey for it, bro. D minus. C plus. And was the C shoe new? Plus was the shoe new? The, the shoe was absolutely new because I refused to drink from somebody's shoe. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Ryan Clark, that's crazy. Corporate D minus. All right, guys, let's turn to the main event, and obviously Israel Adesanya retaining his title. So, Daniel, what would you grade Israel Adesanya's performance? <sighs> I'd give him like a. I bet I'd give him like a, a, a B plus, you know, A minus, because he beat the second best guy in the world. You don't have a bad performance if you're beating a guy like Robert Whitaker. I, I just think that there were times, and even his coach said that, open up the right side. He could have threw more right hands uh, in there. He was really left-hand dominant. So because he didn't open up the toolbox completely, I'd probably give him like an A minus. Yeah, I give him, I give him a B plus B. Um, and it's for some of those reasons. I'm obviously not as going, going to go as technical or into the skill as DC one because I can't, you know, and I can't critique <laughs> Israel Adesanya in that way. But even in some of those exchanges where, where Rob was leading, the, the jab seemed to get in or the straight right seemed to get in. And it looked like Rob did control some of the action, but it was Izzy's standing up in between rounds, not even breathing through his mouth, his control, the, the, the leg kicks, the, the, the head kicks. It was Izzy showing some of the overall game that's made him the champion and not allowing Rob to beat him that gives him the B or the B+. Plus. But we have seen, according to Israel Adesanya's stand, standards, we've seen a better Izzy than we saw on Saturday night. And so for that, he gets a B, B plus from me. All right, guys, on the other side of the octagon, Robert Whitaker, who earlier Anthony Smith said he thought he won. So, RC, how would you grade Whitaker's performance? You know what? I give him a B, B minus. And you got to give him a B minus because in the end, the scorecards didn't give him the win. But as opposed to how he fought the first time, the adjustments made, uh, the poise shown in the octagon, 
the understanding of the game plan, and I, honestly, the execution of it, I thought Rob mm-hmm. was really good. The thing that keeps you or, or that kept Rob from winning was taking the one or two chances that might have led to some dominance, right? Finding a way to keep Izzy on, on the ground or even in some of those exchanges, throwing more than the one shot. Now, when you do those things, you put yourself in a position to be caught with a counter strike. So I understand why he didn't, but I think that was the thing he needed to do to get the win and to get the A. If I'm giving Israel an A-, minus, then I'm giving Robert Whitaker a B plus because he gave himself a shot. And he lost 3-2. to two. A 48-47 is as close as it comes unless you win the fight or you get a draw. Yeah. It, it's, it was that close. And when you're judging them, you have to judge and grade them as such. Here's the, here's the difference. When Ryan said maybe a few more chances, yes. My chances would have been when he started to lose Izzy on those takedowns, right? He knows that he's losing them. Maybe just start going crazy, throwing five, six yeah, strikes yeah. as he loses him to make the judges go, oh, my goodness, Robert got some damage off mm-hmm. as he was losing Israel. Uh, he fought a great fight. He did a good job, but he just needed to do a little bit more to sway the judges in the opposite direction. But if Izzy got an A-, minus, Rob got a B plus because it was that close of a fight, even though I don't feel like he won. But even if he just threw a couple punches, throw a leg kick on the break, Anything more to really make a statement to those judges? I think he might have got his hands raised. All right, guys. In the co-main event, obviously, we just talked about Ty Tuivasa's massive win. So, Daniel, how would you grade his overall performance? Uh, I'm giving Ty A+. There there is no better grade for him because in that fight, under those circumstances, fighting Derek at home, knocking him out the way he did, fighting the fight that he fought, where when Derek hurt him, he just stood on the nickel and said, you know what? You want to fight, I'm willing to fight you. Yep. And then to land that beautiful elbow and put Derek face first, they always say, bro, in fighting, if somebody goes face first, don't even bother to count. Yep. Like when Manny Pacquiao got hit by Marquez it's and he went flat, they, they wave it off. He ain't going nowhere. You don't need to let him take follow-up shots. The fight's over. I thought he fought as good as he could have fought. A-plus for me, for Ty Tuivasa. Yeah, A-plus for me as well, DC. This was the fight that he needed to have. To, to get caught, much like he was caught against Greg Hardy. And, and, you know, I never heard stand on a nickel, but I like that. And to stay in that spot, stay in the pocket, and still win the fight with power the way he did. In those circumstances, you're fighting in another guy's hometown. This guy is not only the knockout king of this era, he's the knockout king of all time in the UFC. And for you to beat him in that fashion, there's no reason for us to even play around with grades and try to take two points from this man. <laughs> that was a hundred A plus. All right, guys, one, one more grade. And this came after the fight. Casey O'Neill, after beating Roxanne Mataferi, <laughs> cut a promo on the Houston crowd. So RC, what would you grade her performance on the microphone? A plus. <laughs> a plus. Because, because I'll be honest, I'm not talking about Casey O'Neill right now. If not for that. Yes. Right. She, yep, she, she's yep, not a yep. part of, of DC and RC. She's not a part of the conversation if she doesn't use her moment on the microphone the way she did. And we talked about this, I believe, with with Michael Chandler. We've talked about it before with Conor McGregor. We've even been upset with some guys for not taking that opportunity to call people out or draw attention to themselves. And she understood the moment. She understood what she had an opportunity to do. And she seized it and seized it in a major way, in a way that wasn't just, oh, she did something or said something. It was like, oh, hell, like Here we go. she might be tripping. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like those yeah. are the moments that now make people either excited to see you win or excited to see you lose. But the thing is, like Kanye say, everybody feel a way about Ye, but at least they feel something. She made yep. you feel something yep. after that fight. That's an A+. plus. Yeah, absolutely, Ryan. I, I give her an A+, plus because there's never a brighter spotlight than when you just want to fight. It, he, here's why it was so beautiful. She could have been like, oh, Roxanne's a legend, and it seemed as though it was starting that way. But when the crowd was booing her, I could feel her energy start to change. And she finally goes, oh, you want me to be the bad guy? She goes, well... And the reality is this. All week it was brewing for Casey O'Neill. She said all week people want to talk about Roxanne being the legend, Roxanne being a pioneer. She goes, what about me? I'm the one that's actually on the way up right now. This fight is part of my story, too. We can't just tell her story. Yeah. You can only fight two people. And then 
And, and this is one of the things. I saw an article today. One of my old producers texted me and said, I saw something today, DC, where you said you didn't agree with the judging. So did you think Robert won? I said, no. I think that the judging, once again, has been bad. Because part of the reason people think that Robert won the fight so much is because I thought it was clear. Round two, you could have gave to Rob. Round five, you can give to Rob. Round three, it felt like Izzy won the round. But judges gave round Rob to Rob two, Rob to round yeah. two. Some gave him round three. Right. They're all over the place. Somebody, yeah. someone, it was Saturday. Somebody somehow, uh, somebody somehow scored that fight for Roxanne Montefiore. There was no way Roxanne won that fight. Yes. It was Casey O'Neill won the fight. She broke the record for significant strikes right. at her weight class in a three-round fight. She won the fight. Roxy did a good job, but she won the fight. The dude right before, the, the, the dude judged two fights back-to-back, right, and got it wrong on both, both fights. times. Yeah. Terribly wrong. So it's like, once again, judging. But yes, love Casey O'Neill's great. I'm sorry I went off on the tangent. Corporate Jake, uh, she had an A+. She was good. She can fight. She's fun. She's got it all. And now, Ryan, it is time for us to tap in mm. and tap out as we do every single week. Let's get it. All right, guys. Daniel Cormier continues to try and prove that he is more than just a two, a former two-division UFC oh, champion. Yeah. First, it was taking oh, up yeah. golf, trying to show up everyone he played with. Then, this time, oh, he was go. on the Rockets floor shooting three-pointers. So, RC, tap here in or go. tap out that DC is an all-around athlete. You know what? I'm going to tap in, man. I'm going to tap in. because here's, here's where I'm going to tap in. What happens is, as we get older, we become less at all of these sports, but you can tell DC still has a little bit that at the foundation <laughs> and basis of who he is, he is athletic. So I'm not going to take, I'm not going to sh- look at my boy, look down on my boy or say anything <laughs> negative about him. That was, a, he, he can't ice skate worth the crap, but you know, <laughs> yeah, or skateboard, but you know what? The <laughs> golf swing wasn't awful. It wasn't Charles Barkley. Like uh, the, the jumper, <laughs> The the jumper isn't Bill Cartwright, so I'm gonna go on and say that my dog is an all around hey, athlete. RC, what they're missing is RC. Like this, I didn't want to try it. You know, I let Michael Kiesa get one because right. I knew ultimately at the end Mario Ellie was going to. We were gonna try to create the kiss of that three pointer. You remember? Yes. Mario Ellie when they won the championships in Phoenix. Dude hit the three pointer in the corner in the Western Conference Finals. Look at me here, Ryan. Bam, I see you, DC. I see you, DC. I the kiss of death. Blow the kisses, DC. You know how we do RC in Louisiana, man. Let's go. Let's go, Corbett Jake. All right, speaking of the Rockets, DC, while sitting courtside, took it upon himself to body slam the mascot. So, DC, tap in or tap out. The mascot deserved the body slam. And that dude was tripping, man. I'm just over here watching the game, RC. I'm just chilling. Hey, sometimes you got to do what you got to do, DC. I mean, he had to get it, RC. Hey, I'm I'm tapping in, man. DC, I'm going to tap in, but as your friend, if you ever pick me up and drop me on a hard floor like that, (laughs) the friendship is over, dog. RC, the the guy from the Rockets tried to bring a pad. They had a pad. They thought I was going to put him on the pad. I was like, nope. Dude getting all this hardwood. Boom. And then I stepped hey, on I tap his in. Ass. I tap in on that, bro. When you get tried, sometimes you got to put them in their place. Come on, man. I'm in Houston, right? We in the South, too, RC. Yeah. Don't do it, Corporate Jake. Corporate Jake, and you getting slammed, too, if you ever come at me like that mm. in the game. I'll, I'll watch myself. I'll watch myself. All right, next. During his time in L.A. for the Super Bowl, our own Ryan Clark oh, tried yeah. his hand at bartending, as Daniel look mentioned at, earlier in the it. show. So, hey, D.C., tap in or tap out buying a drink at the bar from bartender RC. Man, I'm buying a Stella from Ryan. That's yes. my boy. Look at my boy. Yeah. My boy got that nice, tight little apron on it, too. Like, bro, everything this boy wears has to be tailored. He's everything. like, yo, when I, get my, when I get my Stella apron, it needs to be tailored to where my body and my physique just looks like my bow. Hey. My boy's all bow, bow, right, left. I'm buying a drink, man, tapping in with, with Bart's D- RC, man. Let's go. DC, you got to tap in, man. We go to the bar. I'm giving away great advice. I'm talking about <laughs> MMA. I'm talking about football. Yes, it's boy. so much you can learn from me. Also, when I'm behind the bar, the love doctor is at work, baby. We oh. tapping in. We <laughs> tapping in. love doctor. <laughs> I'm tapping into my boy RC, the bartender, man. Let's go. All right, guys, one more. Sunday Super Bowl halftime show is being touted as one of, if not the best of all time, with performances by Dr. Dre, Eminem, 50 Cent, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige. So RC, tap in or tap out that this is the best halftime show of all time. I'm kind of tapping in, but I the Prince one was pretty dope. 
right? And Prince is one of the greatest of all time. But for my era, for 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 what I know about music and for what I love about music, this was the greatest halftime show of all time. It gave us that old that old rap, hip hop, G funk, chronic feel. We got Mary J. Blige, yeah, the queen yeah. the queen of hip hop and R and B, and Eminem, who yeah. I think is one of the greatest rappers to have ever lived, along with Kendrick Lamar's Lamar's performance. To be in the stadium, bro, and to see how the stadium was rocking, being on the West Coast, if I could crib walk, I would have, man. It was that cool. <laughs> I tap in. Hey, Doug, Ryan, I'm tapping in. I'm tapping kind of in because I love the feel. I love the set. Like, all those, like, places in Los Angeles that really, like, signify and identify the city. You know, as the, the world continues to change, they start to get rid of a lot of these landmark places. Yeah. You saw all those landmark places in the set. Then you saw the the, the the L.A. skyline on the ground where mm -hmm. everybody was dancing. It was sick. It was absolutely sick. I got a friend named Daniel Rubenstein. I'm only saying his name because he's so absurd. I hated the halftime show. I go, of course you would, you stupid idiot. He's an <laughs> idiot to say that he hated the halftime show. Loved the show. Yeah. Wouldn't say it's the greatest of all time. Because, Ryan, you know, one time Janet Jackson, you know, her sure did kind of come open in the middle of the Super Bowl. And, I'm and that's not what you care about. Anything is ever that's what you care about. DC and Janet Jackson. Come on, man. Let's DC, go, man. DC, the, it, it was covered. <laughs> it wasn't that big of a deal. It it's don't part matter, of the man. show. I, it don't matter, man. It don't matter. Princess, man. let's go, man. Princess halftime show was to me the. It was the greatest entertainer. It was the greatest artist that had ever done a halftime show. And he's saying "Purple Rain" in the rain, bro. Like there, there, there is nothing that is a, a more beautiful scene. But it's, it's uh, kind of slow, though, right? It's that, yeah, slow it is. Song "Purple Rain." Right, but it's Prince though, and so my dad, thinks, my dad thinks that one is it. And the only reason I kind of agree, now that we're bringing it to exposed body parts, was Purple Rain <laughs> was the first R-rated movie I ever saw. It was also oh, the first okay. time I saw a topless lady on TV <laughs> when she was supposed to cleanse herself in the waters of Lake Monotonka, and it wasn't Lake oh, Monotonka. Oh yes, yes, so, I remember that. So I do have I some feelings that I really love about that. But bro, Snoop Dogg in the blue rag shirt. It was Eminem nice. It was nice. exploding it was nice. the joint. Oh, it was cold, man. What do you think about the game, hey. though, DC? Los Angeles Rams, oh. Super Bowl champs, bro. Yeah. I watched the game with Mike Tyson. One of the greatest experiences of my entire life, Ryan. I'm telling you, if we could get Mike Tyson on the show, you just got to keep that beat button going. Mike Tyson would be tremendous. Bro, it was, it was fantastic. It was a fun game. Yep. It was good to see Aaron Donald uh, play yeah. the way he played. A little bit hard to watch my boy Joe Burrow go down in the way that he went down. But it was a good game, man. It was a fun game. And the Rams to win in L.A., just it's always best whenever the home team is playing in the home stadium. And that's two years in a row now that we've got that, though. Yeah. Let's stop I didn't like fixing it. I games, didn't, NFL. I didn't like Let's that. Let's stop fixing they games, fix NFL. It. They Let's didn't fix it. Letting, but it was a lot of Los Angeles Rams, like commercials and, and hype yeah. music. That's not, that's unfair. But, D.C., it was a great weekend. Super Bowl, middleweight championship. Derek Lewis goes down. Peace out. We love y'all. That's D.C. I'm R.C.